You know, I, I was really I expecting when I came out here that you guys would have had suits and ties and, you know, been a look, you know, a little bit more ready for our badasses to sit down in these seats, <laughs> demand our time. It's such a critical hour. Right, Kujo? Yeah, I agree. One, two, three, four. Totally not hungover soccer goose. It's Ben Gossorn. How's it going, Ben? It's called Hungry, Chris. Hungry? Oh, okay. Hungry. That's what we're going with? Yeah. Maybe a little hungover, but I think uh, drive down the mountain worked out, and it uh, made me feel better, I guess you could say. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Particularly after we pulled over that one time, you felt a lot better. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Ben and I, if you guys did not know by the title or us tweeting, uh, we went and visited Asheville. Uh, this weekend to uh, hang out with South Slope Blues, talk with your smarter than us, and uh, watch the watch the Asheville City women play um, ABASA. It's like the adult uh, league uh, up in that area, and they kind of formed an all star team to play Asheville uh, City for a, a match, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, another little twist to it uh i'm getting married next week as you guys may or may not know i don't remember how much i've mentioned on the pod but uh i invited my brother to come up because i told him not gonna have a bachelor party uh we just want to come watch some soccer and have some beers and uh he brought my father along the both of which do not like soccer and uh they proceeded to try to get me to break my record for drinking after the match (laughs) and ben's the one who ended up paying the price uh uh funnily enough yay (laughs) But we had a blast uh, with Asheville before, you know, the blackouts and whatnot. But um, before we get to that, uh, we wanted to just let you guys know uh, briefly what's going on in the rest of the amateur soccer world in our corner of the woods. Um, Ben, you actually uh, Friday night went and watched an Eagles match with Discoveries. How did that go? I did. It was, uh, I mean... You can be honest. It was a 0-0 draw. (laughs) It looked like two clubs that hadn't played a match all year. Right. Um... Or it was their first match of the year, I should say. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty well balanced, mm-hmm. um, but just not a whole lot of attacking, to be honest with you. Right, um, so a bit. But yeah. Not the was, funnest game in the world. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was boring, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was thrilling either. I see. So somewhere in the middle. Gotcha. And yeah, and uh, Eagles, they were playing where the Independents play at uh, Matthews, but they mm-hmm. they did that thing they did back when they were playing the championship where they made everyone sit on the one side to make it look more full, right? Yeah, so everyone the side with the sun in, the in your sun. eyes. It's great. Yeah, that's not so much fun, but I kind of get it for atmosphere and whatnot and yeah. streaming. It looks better, but yeah, yeah. not fun. <laughs> nope. But other than that 0-0 draw, and you know what? We actually, there's a lot of freaking draws this week. Like, mm. uh, the same time, uh, Tobacco Road versus Lions Bridge, that game I recommended, uh, it ended in a 2-2 draw. Yep. Um, and the, the only thing I saw was the penalty that uh, Lions Bridge, uh, you know, converted. But other than that, um, from what I've read, it seemed like a fun match to watch. And, um, yeah, and on Saturday, while we were watching the Nashville City game, uh, Wake FC and Tri-City Otters played to a 1-1 draw. Tri-Cities were on the road and were down a man for 70 minutes. So Oof. that's pretty impressive. They went out of there with a point. 
And I think that was their fear first the official fur. game of the year. Yeah, Fear the Fur. Hashtag Fear the Fur. Yeah. Which is really great. <laughs> yeah. Moving over to the NPSL side, um, Atlanta former Silverbacks uh, hosted Asheville. I believe there's a red card in that game as well. Yeah, did you see that? Uh, kind of like it was like he like took like tried to rip a guy's throat out and yeah. throw him on the ground at the same time, like yeah, a choke was, slam or something. It was pretty. Uh, it was like a, a move out of wrestling. That's yeah, for sure. Can't do that anywhere on the pitch, level on the box, and not it would have been assault had it not been on the field. Yeah, like people would have came to his defense if that would happen in real life. So like, yeah, yeah not a great idea. And Asheville took the lead right after the women's game finished because we walked over to say bye to Tim and we yeah. saw like this beautiful like chipped goal over to keeper into the top left corner. Yeah, it was gorgeous. And then they, they scored another goal after that apparently. By that yeah. point we were, you know, drinking. Yeah. And I did not see that, but uh congratulations to Asheville. Uh but really congratulations to freaking Greenville too. Mm-hmm. They went to Chattanooga, played in front of over 3,000 fans. Yeah. Chattanooga, who, from what we all, everything we've heard, should be running away with it yeah. and got a 2-2 draw. And, and they actually had to leave. Chattanooga's first uh, match of the season. Yeah, which that, that might have been to Greenville's benefit, I don't know. but Well, you almost wonder if, with playing at home, too, that that would increase their... Um, quality Chattanooga no you would think you would think like I would have expected Chattanooga to win this game oh yeah I think to get a draw and to well I don't know if they came back but to to get two Greenville was winning 2-1 at one point I know that because um uh Manny Perez had that beautiful shot from outside Mm. the box yeah which is the only shot I saw that game yep but uh that's exciting that's really impressive uh, that means that they are still uh beatless I'm glad to see somebody's beatless this year. <laughs> beatless. Um. Oh, independence references. Yep. But um, so that's pretty much it as far as what's happened this week. So uh, what we're gonna do, we're going to uh, play you guys an interview that we did with Tim from You're Smarter Than Us uh, with uh, Stacy Enos and Jennifer Cujo. Stacy Enos is the head coach of Asheville City Women's Team. She played for the U.S. Women's National Team like the first games. She played on those games, and then she's been coaching for a long time in the area. And Jennifer Cujo played in two U-20 World Cups for Ghana. Yep. And uh, they were both a delight to talk with. We we uh, definitely appreciated their time. And this interview is brought to you by Lugnut FC. If you want to be cool like Lugnut and bring us interviews and transitions and things of that nature, you can be like him and be a member on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash amateur hour soccer. Well, welcome back to Amateur Hour. Uh, we're joined by Stacy Enos, head coach of Asheville City, and Jennifer Cujo, player for the team. How are you guys doing? Great. We're, I mean, we're in paradise. Sunny day, no rain in the forecast, a chance to celebrate our community, put a little fundraiser out there for JBL soccer fields. Life is good. We've got a team. Yeah, we're ready to rock it today. So, <laughs> And guys, Tim with the You're Smarter Than Us podcast is here too. So this is a little bit of a dual-branded podcast. Uh, Chris and I are going to chat for a bit with Jennifer and Stacy. We really could um, not have picked a better time of the year to talk to you guys, so thank you so much. Um, Stacy, to kind of start with, we're, we're going to go way, way, way back. Um, 1985, Italy. Yep. Um, U.S. Women's National Team's first game. How did that happen? What, what, how did you become connected? Was it just at Carolina? Was it? Um, what was your history with that? 
um, it was uh, it was um, the sports festival. A long time ago, they used to have uh, these little sports festivals that happened around the country, and the states were divided up into four sections, and so. Um, we represented the South, and so we had our uh, sports festival in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and it was a great opportunity. It wasn't just soccer, it was all, all sports. Um, and uh, so after that match, after the whole tournament happened, we were pulled together. And in 1984, the U.S. had actually made a paper team. Um, and then in 1985, uh, after the sports festival, they sat us down and they read off this list and they said, you guys are on the U.S. women's national team. <laughs> and we, honestly, I, I don't recall, there was, ru- there was rumors that this might actually take off into um, formalizing and playing in a match. And uh, so we, we all weren't holding our breath but um, they said, hey, you get to go home for the weekend, and then you're flying to <laughs> Long Island, and you're going to train, and then we're going to head out to Italy. So it was a scramble. Some people, my college roommate, Emily Pickering, we had to work on getting her passport expedited quickly through the soccer federation. I mean, it was just, it was mad. But, but yeah, so that was the start and the birth of it, and it was all eye-opening and all very um, new and um, wonderful and uh, just kind of put us on the world stage and um, that was the start of a long great history. And what did you see in the 14 years from that until Brandy Chastain's goal kick in Pasadena that led to that moment? What what was that? I mean, obviously, there was a lot of fraught battles and and disagreements with the Federation. I mean, there's still disagreements mm-hmm. with the Federation. But what, what was the monumental shift to go from a paper team to Pasadena? You know, it, it was, for me, it was interesting. So, you know, so this is mid-'80s. So, you know, there isn't, there really isn't the World Wide Web. There isn't cell phones. You can't, couldn't pull up your phone and figure out where the hell you were going. And um, so, uh, so... When we got to Yezolo, which is a small, like, Italian town on the Adriatic, um, when we took the stage, we were playing against China, Japan, Italy, Denmark, um, Germany, Sweden, Norway. I mean, we had no—I really personally had no idea all these other countries had such talented teams. And they played— great soccer um so i think the u.s made that leap into it and i think where we ended up getting a little bit of a jump um was title nine and the game at the collegiate level definitely accelerated our growth and um you know we didn't win a game in 1985 we we tied a game we lost a game but we made our we made our presence and we became fan favorites and um uh, just it was really it was it was really a unique experience and then in 86 we went back and um, and we played in the finals and and we lost to Italy two to one um, but uh, I I'm, I mean it, it just sealed that moment and so over the course of you know the next generation of the Mia Hamm 
Christine Lilly, Fowdy, all those folks coming into the national team. I think 99 was a galvanizing moment. I mean, it was just this phenomenal battle. The game was wonderful, 0-0, but everyone was riveted to their seat. Maximum capacity crowd, you know, I think it was the second highest attendance of any sports match um, ever. So that, you know, that that kind of uh, created this, you know, this platform for women's soccer. And um, and so, uh, you know, obviously that match was that leap. Um, and it's it, to me, it's a little sad that it took 99 to now to where we finally have this players association and women are really kind of recognizing that they have to get organized. And you do, no matter how good you are, no matter how successful you are, you have to get organized and um, really uh, uh, put yourself in that professional athlete model that the men have created. I think there's a a really beautiful kind of like snake eating its own tail where the 99 team for, for the first time in the national team's history, the 99 team could have inspired the players that are now playing this year. Oh, yeah. And and that's something that, you know, you could probably trace back in men's sport, but the U.S. women's national team's first World Cup, that inspiration, it's a direct line to what's going on oh, now. Man. Yeah. I do not deny that. <laughs> I, I, be, I believe that everyone became a fan that day. Yeah. And um, and it, you're right. I mean, I, I I know that the the generation of today they were little kids riveted and uh, wanting to be on the pitch. Um, so with you uh, transitioning from playing, you know, you were with the first team, and now you've been coaching. You've been in this area for a while, correct? Yes. So what what, what attracted you to this particular area, and how have you like you know grown the game on the coaching side of things? So I went to college in Chapel Hill, um, and then I used to come camping up here. And my college roommate, her brother, um, helped launch Barley's. And so we used to come up and camp and hang out and um, just enjoy the area. Um, but when I was coaching Division One, um, you know, Asheville was always one of those little towns in the back of your head that was like, you know, that would be a cool place to live one day. And the opportunity came up um, for me to get some employment, and I was ready for kind of a leap of faith. And so I left uh, coaching D1 and decided to make a transition to smaller college, mm-hmm. um, but also just to kind of figure out where I wanted to be. So, you know, just to really kind of put my roots in a community. So Nashville spoke to me. Jennifer, what what is your history with the sport in Ghana? So basically, Ghana is like um, one of the top African countries when it comes to sport. Like soccer is a mm. big thing in Africa. So growing up, it's just like you choose either soccer or you go to school. So everybody's mind is like soccer, and it's a big thing. So growing up, that's the only sport that I kind of like put myself into playing growing up. Yeah, it's really big. Game in Africa. Yeah. What is is there, like in England or Europe, is there an academy system? Do you come up through public schools? So we have public schools, and then we have club teams that they have like huge this from academy. But we don't play like American the way they have huge um, tournaments. You have to travel to different places. Mm-hmm. It's more about like the 
older people playing so the younger ones get to like watch train with them until you get to that stage and then you play with the older people but also I was lucky I was young but I'll get a chance to play with the oldest group whilst my sister was playing the same so I was lucky enough to get that experience and then I think that set me up become who I am right now how do you, how does one if if I have this right you played two U20 World Cups how do you how does one get identified to to that level okay, so Ghana? we have high school games which is really competitive which is the biggest thing that coaches look up into and also the legs because some youth players are really good so they push them high so coaches kind of watch every game that they play so if you're lucky they see you and then they pick you they invite you to camp if you make it yeah if you don't sometimes coaches like good coaches reach out and it's like hey I have this player you can you know give them the opportunity they come to camp and so I was basically picked when I was playing for uh, my high school team and then I was like 14 13 and then that was the first time I made it to the national U14 team and then from there it's just progressive so I want yeah so with all that how what attracted you to come to America to play soccer here um, one thing is just like uh, the uh, how do I say it? The way soccer is brought here, combining mm-hmm. it to school. I've always wanted to come to school ah, here. Yeah, yeah. The idea of getting an education. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, growing up, and also I had this player, Alice Morgan, who inspired me so mm-hmm. much. She's the player that I was looking up to when it comes to motivation and all that. Mm-hmm. So watching her going to you know, UC Berkeley and all that is kind of inspired me and I wanted to do that, the same thing. That's the reason why I, I came here. I choose to come here and okay. then play soccer and get education. And I think I saw you played uh, for a California team in WPSL. Did you go to school out in California as well? No, I basically went to school in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So my sister was playing in California mm-hmm. with CC, Bundy Cheston and all that. Oh, wow. So I was playing at a U-20 World Cup in mm-hmm. Japan. And then my sister talked to the coach, and then they watched me, and it was like, oh, I want her to come. Hmm. So after the World Cup, I just flew back to California and then played with the team. And <laughs> you then say the that coach... so casually, like you <laughs> drove oh, yeah, down yeah. the street. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. We're from Japan to California. Yeah, so no big deal. I was, I was lucky. Like California was a big, like it's a big club. Yeah. I get to play with CC from Brazil, the 1992 or 99 World Best Player. Hmm. And I learned so much from her. And I played with Brandy Chestin and a lot of great players that they play for the U.S. national team. It was really a great experience for me. And then I just enjoy every bit of it. So, yeah. so then what attracted you to come to Asheville? Uh, so I played three. three. <laughs> 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 Freshman's on. Coach right here. So, <laughs> Stacy is pointing at herself. <laughs> so being a soccer player, when you play like one, two, three years, you wanted to learn different things, experience different and challenge yourself. Mm. So after I played three years with my team, we made it to top 16 WPSL three times and mm. then we didn't qualify. But I, I wanted to change something. I wanted to play with different people and in different groups. So I was looking to go to a team and then I had a couple of teams in Florida, but I just wanted a place that I can feel like connected to. Mm. So when I reached, I think I saw Lydia. And then I reached out to Lydia, and then she showed me about Asheville City. I saw the pictures and the fans, and it's just like, no, this is where I want to be. Mm. So all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, I just love the fans, how everything was. And so, and then I reached out to Stacy. <laughs> and then, not knowing, he knows my, uh, sorry, she knows my coach from college. Mm. 
So I think that made everything, you know, kind of. So Stacy, when I interviewed Megan over the summer, um, there was a lot of uh, facial expressions that she made when we talked about different things that obviously didn't make the pot. One of them was the um, Asheville Splash. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about Ooh, what the Asheville what Splash is, yeah. is? So it was some, you know, it was the same, you know, essentially the same as Asheville City. Um, and Steve Woody ran it. Um, you know, it's a W team. Um, we actually played the Charlotte Eagles. They were they were around back then too, um, and we had an amazing team. So it was you know same same level, and we actually had tremendous success. So I arrived in town, and I was you know I don't know mid mid thirties I think, and um, Lydia was fifteen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I, you know, we all got together, and you know, we had these younger players. Same thing we're trying to do now. We're trying to make sure we we have this building, these bridges, and these stepping stones with like younger players and current players and ex professionals, and you know, um, and uh, and you know, Lydia came. You know, Lydia gives Asheville City huge kudos or Asheville Splash for kind of helping her cut her teeth and gain confidence. And then, um, obviously, Megan Burke, we picked up uh, out of a Memphis team. She transferred over. Um, and uh, and so it it was great. You know, we would have 500 fans at the games. You know, the, the ABASA wasn't, wasn't around. HFC was not under ABYSA. We hadn't formalized yet. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of newness to everything. Um, we had parents that had grills, like the Corleys, um, you know, and people were out here with their grills flipping wow. burgers. Um, the Gen- Very Gen- Yeah, Gen- it was, and it was awesome. And, uh, you know, we all said in many years, like we just said, one day we're going to bring it back. And everyone, they all left and went away. And when they came back, then we ran into Ryan and Jimmy and Alan you know, it's just, it was all meant to be. And they agreed that they, you know, we said, we want this platform, but it has to be here. And they said, okay. And next thing we know, we're, we're putting on a great show. So what was it? Did, did you feel, did you feel like you needed the men to be the first through the door? The WPSL had obviously been around for a while. Was it just proof of concept when they started the NPSL side that okay Asheville is ready for this? I think so, and I and I think they we hadn't quite formalized our relationship. Um, you know, I think they they were just navigating the territory, and you know for whatever reason, um, you know I think I would pose that to to the owners group. I think they did feel like the men were the best, you know, the best. Uh, route to go initially and um uh and then you know they they're they're from marion even though it's just down the mountain they had to uh they had to kind of worm their way into everybody's hearts and you know make sure that we knew they were in it for the right reasons and mm-hmm. um and they're doing a wonderful job yeah and they've become a big part of our community just to take it back to jennifer real quick um what do you think Asheville City has helped you with in taking your next step as in soccer, whether it's continuing to play or coach or whatever aspect that next bit may be. 
Um, I think when it comes to preparation-wise, getting to that next step and all that. Guys, uh, breaking news. Cheers. Brooke Bingham is back. Let's go. How are you? Brooke, how is your Hi. knee? It's getting better. It's getting better. Stay I'm off healing. Memorial's pitch then. I, um, <laughs> I was just walking on this. I was getting a little sore. <laughs> Welcome back, Brooke. And I'm so glad She's to playing, actually. She's playing. So, guys, watch it. <laughs> um, but go ahead, Jennifer. Um, so, I think for Asheville City, I think one of the most important things that they've helped me to is like getting ready for the next chapter in my life because it's yeah. like when it comes to training and, you know, open those doors for me to see, meet so many people and learn how to be, you know, how I'm going to be when, you know, you go to that platform, like high level, seeing a lot of friends, how to treat people and all that. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to that, they really kind of help me and then open my eyes to see how to, you know, respond to certain things. So okay. I love, you know, the community and then everything this, you know, for. Out of curiosity, do you see yourself, and this is a kind of a personal question, I guess, but do you see yourself <laughs> use, not using, but uh, coming alongside Asheville City to go pro later on, or be maybe more of a coach, or just curious? Oh, okay, yeah. I see myself being a pro, because that's the biggest dream since I was a kid, I always yep. have, and I know sometimes it's just, you gotta wait for a while, yep. and I've got so many uh, chances, opportunity, and then, you know, contract but I'm just looking for the one that I think it fit me at the yep. moment I don't want to make any rational decision right now so my next step right now is to taking care of things and making sure that my next step is like 100% I'm sure of what I'm yep. taking so my next step is to be a professional player and after that I will look into coaching I love coaching the kids and all that but not like now it's like gonna be my you know focus so Stacy, what is the path at the moment with only nine professional teams? What what are the non-traditional, um, what does a woman have to do that a man probably doesn't have to do with the multiple USL, uh, you know, USL right. League One? I mean, there's so many different tiers, right. whereas we're, we're sitting in a top 10 market in right. America, and unfortunately, you know, for all the different reasons, we can't pay our players what, what does a woman have to do now to to crack that that lead? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think this is also a good question for Megan Burt because she works and sits on mm-hmm. a lot of the Players Association and she's drafting a lot of, um, you know, some legal documents and mm-hmm. just kind of visionary doc, you know, just the big vision. But um, so in the U.S., obviously we have, you know, our pro league and then we have, you know, this offshoot of, you know, the se- second tier, which which is what we are in. Um, overseas, they also have good pro leagues um, and good teams. Um, often players, if they don't make it in one of our top nine teams, they go abroad and they play. Um, uh, and, and some are choosing. I mean, they're, they're, you know, I mean, look at what, you know, uh, Man City's doing and Lyon. It's incredible. And it's it's phenomenal. I mean, they're packing 80, they had 80,000 fans in the stadium. So, so I mean, we... You know, I think we're here. I I really feel like we've got to we've got to continue to identify markets that can we can expand our league. Um, you know, we, we need we need more teams. We need the U.S. to uh, um, really kind of put a foothold and help these programs expand and get up. Is there. who's 
without putting you in a bad spot, whose responsibility is that? Is that the Federation's responsibility? Is that the league's responsibility? Or is that in kind of the ultimate democracy, each club's responsibility? You know, I think there is a collective collaboration where everybody should have have some foothold in it. Um, you know, obviously the investor, you, you got to get investors on board. It's expensive, you know, to run a team in a league um, at that level. Um, but I, I do believe that there are folks out there who, who love the game and can treat it. You know, we treat this as a business model. We, we love the game and we treat it as a business. And um, so I do think U.S. soccer... Um, needs to really start um, uh, just, yeah, putting some messaging out there that will help the women's game uh, to, can you, you know, flourish and grow and put some things in front of owners' groups and cities that, that will help uh, these clubs, um, franchises come to an existence, yeah. I can't think of any other good questions. You pretty much asked everything I wanted to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jennifer, I know you need to go warm up. Um, Stacy, I know you've got some returning faces that you want to go yes. say hello to. Um, thank you so much for your thank time. You all. We yeah. really appreciate yeah. it. Anytime. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, And we're back. Thanks again to Stacy and Jennifer for taking the time to talk with us and Tim for setting it up. It was a blast. And yeah. We had so much fun in Asheville. Uh, that interview uh, took place just a couple hours before the game started, and that game was so much fun. It was. It was. Uh, it's always great going up there or down there, left there, whatever direction right. we go to get there. It feels um, up because it's in the mountains. So. Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> exactly. We're technically going up at some point. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's always great going there because it feels like – I've used this reference before, and nobody understood it the first time I used it, but I'm still going to use it. But it feels like going to Asheville City Games is like going to the Winchester. Shauna Dead reference. Please, somebody understand that. There was um, a Shauna Dead beer at one of the bars. It was, at the Asheville City one. Yeah, yeah no, I went to that. I think I've seen that movie once. It's, I like it a lot. It's right. a good movie. But it's great. Like, I just, for those that don't, haven't seen the movie, it's just like going to... It just feels like a pure soccer atmosphere because everyone was into the game um it was really interesting too because one of the players for the um, abasa yeah i was about to say abasa or something (laughs) the abasa squad um was actually i believe a part of south slope yes yeah so they were doing the she's she's one one of of our own own. so that was really cool um it was cool to see that um and everything there too, because they were doing a lot of rotation of players and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really nice going there. They, they're always really friendly there too. Um, and it's great getting to talk to to Ryan Kelly in person and that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just uh, enjoy soccer and enjoy the the great city of Asheville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we had a lot of fun hanging out. We we bumped into Alex Hamilton. Yeah. Who uh, he wrote for SNST like the first season, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was a really good, dude. I don't think yeah. I've seen him since the first season, so yeah, it was good. And you could see a little selfie we took with him and uh, Tim on uh, Twitter. And in fact, I'm putting together this little Twitter moment that you, if you guys just want to see, you know, just some pictures and scenes from the uh, event itself that I'll have posted. Should be posted at the same time I have this uh, podcast mm-hmm. up. 
And uh, but it was just so much fun hanging out with all of them. And the game itself was really entertaining. The the Asheville City women they won four nothing. Yeah. Um, as far as the goals go, <laughs> honestly, the one that like impressed me the absolute most, and I was like, whoa was the first goal that wasn't counted, and I'm not sure why it wasn't counted. Yeah, I don't really know It was why. like this shot from way out yonder, and it was just, it was like she was coming in at an angle, and it went to the top right, I believe. Hmm. Um, but it was just, regardless, it was a blast. You know, I mean, it wasn't so much about the scores, about two uh, local community teams coming together and just having a great time playing soccer in Asheville. And then, of course, also, <laughs> we ended up doing our second ever halftime report yeah, show that was fun yeah uh, memorial report yeah which is a great thing that tim does uh yeah. on halftime during mystery soccer th- theater 3000 mm. that was a lot of fun yeah it was really cool um we're not really sure if anybody actually heard us because of the audio seemed weird things but uh but yeah it was really nice it was the other thing too that was really awesome to see at halftime was they just allowed all the kids to mm-hmm. kick the soccer ball around the pitch. Yep. And just there fun was time. probably... That might have been 100 kids out there. I yeah, don't know. It was, was a lot. Say, it's definitely over 100 kids, I would think, yeah. around 100 kids, just kicking soccer balls on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, just having an awesome time. And I, I thought that was was really cool to see because, I mean, they don't have to even have to do that, but they're, they're embracing the community in that way. And even though it was, in some respect... A an, an international friendly against a, like a non club team, I guess you could say. It mm-hmm. was still a, a, an engaged atmosphere, a fun atmosphere, and quite frankly, a, a good amount of people. To be honest yeah. with you, um, I didn't know what to expect given those that that circumstance. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't recommend going to an Asheville game uh, enough. It's uh, they really. They really do things well. They do. In that, in that city. They really do. Um, it, I don't know if there's anything more we can say about it, but something that you'll see as a recurring theme when we travel and do these travel shows, you're going to hear us talking about community because the teams that we want to uh, follow in particular, a lot of them seem to be involved in their communities in one way or the other, and Asheville does it as good as anybody. And uh, it was so much fun. So thank you so much to, to everyone up there, Tim, Ryan, South Slope Blues, Mm-hmm. Everyone who was really hospitable to us, uh, it's a blast. And I think no matter how many more years we do amateur hour, I think every year if I'm still living in the Carolinas, I'm going to try to go to an Asheville City game because it's just too much fun not to go to. But that being said, um, Benjamin. Yeah. Well, I don't know what order I want to do this in. I could ask you that or could just say what we're going to do next week. Uh, I'll ask you first. Okay. Benjamin. And I'm not going to edit that out either. <laughs> Benjamin. What is your BGN, Beautiful Game Network, which we are proud members of, podcast of the week? Um, change of plans. Oh. It's not a podcast. Oh. It is He's going uh, off a BGN grid. written. It is, uh, I believe it is, it's, it's headed up by uh, Carson Merck, um, who does do, uh, or he's a part of the other football podcast, but they... They write a lot of uh, specific pieces about clubs, and they do reviews for matches and things like that. Um, oh, I forget his last name. Uh, Soccer with Brian on at Twitter does some writing as well, mm-hmm. um, and there's just some there's some good dudes doing some good written content there that uh, that I can appreciate, and you should read because you can't listen to it. Mm. 
Well, you kind of throw me for a loop with that written thing, but I think I got it. Um, for the first 12 people who subscribe to BGN Written, which I'm pretty sure is not a thing, using the code Amateur Hour, which is also totally not a thing, but maybe it is a thing, Ben <laughs> will write a strongly worded letter to any organization, product, or maybe even a, a, a boyfriend who you are angry with, he will write a strongly worded letter to them expressing your concerns. I'll do it. <laughs> hey, you heard it. That's the first one he's actually agreed to on air. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as next week goes, next two weeks are going to be uh, a bit hectic for us because, you know, I'm getting married, as I've mentioned 27 times. Um, because of that, and we're just not going to have time because Ben's my priest, because of course he is. Yep. Um, we are going to have an interview with Pat Piscatelli of the Myrtle Beach Mutiny for you guys. We actually already recorded it. It's wonderful. He talks about kind of what went right, what went wrong with the mutiny, because if you do or do not know, um, you know, they ceased operations this year. But while they were in existence, they won countless regional titles. We're always competitive, lots of fun to watch. So we wanted to kind of just catch up with them and figure out what was going on, uh, what went right, what went wrong, that sort of thing. And um, we're not going to talk about anything that happened game-wise or anything like that. So as far as games to recommend, uh, a couple I think we can recommend for the next week or so. Um, let's see here. I'm kind of looking at the schedule now. Um, totally prepared for this ahead of time. Well, some of these, I don't know if they're going to stream. Like, the Bantams are hosting uh, the um, Chattanooga Red Wolves, like, Dalton Red Wolves team. But from yeah. what I understand, Bantams aren't going to live stream their games this year. It's going to be kind of a thing where they put them out the next day. So we have to yeah. wait and see how that's going to go. Um, I don't want to recommend Lionsbridge again. I feel like I've recommended them every week, well, but they're they, streaming on Saturday. So it's good. either Lionsbridge is streaming, <laughs> Greenville streaming, Asheville are all streaming on Saturday. Um and then the week after that, we have, let's see, for <laughs> Lions Bridge is streaming. Um, looks like both Greenville and Asheville are, well, no, Greenville's doing Friday, which you might go to, May 31st. Mm. They're hosting a game on May 31st. Yep. And as far as what Ben will do the week after Mutiny, he's not sure yet. I think in a Mutiny interview, I might have said that he's going to go to Greenville and do a Greenville episode, but we've already done a Greenville episode. So ignore that. We'll probably instead do like some sort of um, interview type thing, something that he'll do all on his own, yeah. whatever he wants to do. He'll figure something out and have some good content for you guys. So uh, until June 8th, for me at least, uh, bye-bye, everybody. Bye.